there are so many amazing but technical people out there. One of the biggest problems they have is how do we get the geek to speak? Well, our next guest knows. He has been teaching the geek to speak, but he's also written a book for kids on using scientific method. Let's find out how we did it. Welcome to the Get More Success Show. He's a guy who never measured a man's success by the size of his... What? It's showtime. 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 And now, here is your host, Warwick Merry. Welcome back to another episode of the Get More Success Show. I'm your host, Warwick Merry. Now, today we have a man from way overseas who is incredibly talented. He is an engineer and has done a lot of work in medical engineering. He helps define patents. So he's an up-and-coming Thomas Edison. He also has written a kid's book about why the hair is curly. Not a problem that I have, um, but he's what I really love about him is he teaches geeks to speak. From Teach the Geek to Speak, will you please welcome Neil Thompson. Neil, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Warwick. Absolute pleasure. So, Neil, as I ask all my guests, how do you, from someone who's done so much, uh, like, and you've done a lot of study, you're a very, you've got some amazing degrees, you've, you've got, you help people get their patents, you've written a kid's book, you're helping geeks to speak. I'm really interested. How do you define success? I just, I define success as being able to do what you want to do on your own terms. And I know that that might sound a little simple, but I'm a simple guy, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's kind of how I determine it. Define it. Simple is good. So give me a bit of a rundown on why you started Teach the Geek. I get that you started off. So you give me a bit of a rundown. You started, you did your, your medical engineering, you got into designing and getting into patents. Um, give us a bit of a background on that and then how that rolled into Teach the Geek. Yeah, sure. I used to work as an engineer in medical devices and I used to have to give presentations every month in front of senior management. And those first two presentations were absolutely horrendous. Uh, I, I, I didn't know it was possible to sweat that profusely from various orifices in your body. I mean, there was sweat coming out of parts of my body that I didn't know sweated. <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. And I knew that I didn't want to be like this every time I had to give this presentation because I had to do it every month. And I got a lot better with public speaking just over time. And really the, the catalyst for that was the project that I was brought to one company to do was canceled. And I, even to this day, I think that if I was just a little bit better at communicating the value proposition of that project, perhaps I could have saved it. Maybe not, but, you know, we'll never know, I suppose. But being, a, being more effective in, in communicating, especially with decision makers who aren't technically minded, is so important when you're working at a company. And so with me getting better at public speaking, I took everything that I learned and I turned it into an online course called Teach the Geek to Speak. And, and so... With the people that you've been working with, what are the biggest problems for, for someone who is, and I think nearly everyone's come across people like this, who they are smart, like they are whip-cracking smart, yet when they speak in front of an audience, you just don't understand what you're there for. So what are the biggest challenges that you've helped people overcome? It really comes down to taking that technical expertise that a technical person has 
and distilling it in such a way that non-technical people can understand. And that was something that I definitely struggled with. And the people that have taken the course, that that's the main issue that they have as well. I mean, I, I can remember back when I wasn't all that great at public speaking and I'd have my PowerPoint slides. I'd have a whole bunch of jargon on there, on there, all the, all the words you can think of, pretty, pretty much a dissertation up on the slides. And I'm expecting people to actually t pay attention to what I'm talking about. Well, what would, actually, what would end up happening is people would read the slides if, 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 if they did anything. They certainly weren't listening to what I'm saying because typically you're going to read or you're going to listen. It's one or the other. So if you're, if you're reading and you're reading things that you don't understand, then you're, gonna, then you're just going to tune out. And that would, would happen. And I noticed even from my own presentations during the Q&A session after them, I'd get questions that I thought I answered during the presentation. But because I presented it in such a way that no one understood, I was getting these questions now. That's really another catalyst I suppose I had when it came to just me understanding that I needed to get better with presentations. And a lot of technical people eventually come to that realization as well. I, I suspect there's a lot of people in the audience going, are they speaking English? Because I just can't understand what's going on. How, how do you get your geeks to go from speaking geek to speaking a language that the audience are going to understand? Well, at it, it first, it, it, it starts with actually taking your audience into account when you're putting together your presentation. And that's something that I definitely did not do when I first started having to give these presentations. I would just slap some stuff on slides, read them, and get off the stage as quickly as possible. And I noticed that that wasn't all that effective. And I'm, of the engineers and scientists that have taken the course, they've come to that realization as well. So it's really important to understand what the people in the audience actually need to hear when you're, when you, when you're talking. And, and that's, that's, that's definitely number, number one. Right. And so looking at some of the stuff that you've put together, you've created a process on, on how to create a presentation. What, what sort of just really high level, what, what is the, the flow of the process to create a presentation? Well, it's for me, as I mentioned, it starts with knowing your audience. So that definitely helps to tailor the, the presentation because you're not going to present things that, that they want to hear and you're presenting in a way that they can take in. Another thing that I'm really big on and I get teased about it sometimes is timing. I used to be, I used to, when I worked as an engineer, I used to have to go to a lot of conferences. And if you go to a conference talk, oftentimes there's, at least you look at the agenda, the times are listed. So, you know, from 10 to 10, 15, this person is supposed to present. But oftentimes that wouldn't happen. They'd go over. And if they go over, then the next presentation starts late. And then it just is a cascading effect, which throws off the whole agenda of the conference. And I, I noticed that at basically every conference I've ever gone to. So being very mindful of when you're even practicing your presentations to stick within time is something that I, I definitely preach. And then when it comes to the actual presentation, it's about developing a clear beginning, middle, and end. You don't want to be you know, going all over the place and having your presentation being difficult to, to follow. Because if that's the case, then they're definitely, people are definitely going to, to tune out. If you're going to use slides, I'm really big on using as, as little text as possible. Because ultimately, you're there to, to speak. It's about public speaking, not public reading. So if you have slides, make sure you use more, more so pictures than text. Because pictures often say a thousand words. I'm also big on minimizing fillers. So there are words like so, you know, and um, and ah, uh, those type of words. Try to minimize those as, as much as possible. Because those can be rather annoying to some. 
for the people that are annoyed by them, they're not going to be upset if you get rid of them. But for the people that are, are annoyed by them, they'll be very happy you got rid of them. And then the last part when it comes to the presentations to me is just getting, being open to feedback. You don't get better at anything without taking any kind of constructive criticism. But when it comes to feedback, I'm really big on accepting the, the feedback that you agree with and leaving the ones that you don't. When I was, a few years ago, I was a member of Toastmasters. And for those of your audience that don't know about Toastmasters, it's an international organization whose goal really is to help people become better public speakers. And at the end, if you're doing a, a, if you're at a Toastmasters meeting and you're giving a speech, you have an evaluator that, that evaluates the speech, but then other members of the group can evaluate your speech as well. So oftentimes you'll get back these sheets of paper with all feedback. And sometimes it can be contradictory. And one person will say, you use great eye contact. Another person says, you need to improve your eye contact. Well, someone, it, you, have to, you have to listen to somebody. <laughs> you can't do both. And so it's really important to it, you know, accept the, the feedback that, that makes sense to you and leave back the, the, the feedback that doesn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge believer in choosing the person you want feedback from beforehand and having a word to them. Because it's amazing what people will tell you. And, and it's just like, if you have two people watch the same presenter, you can have a conversation with them both and just go, were you in different rooms? Like you've seen this so differently. So it is about getting someone who you respect to give you feedback because a random stranger coming up and go, I didn't like the way you did dot, dot, dot. You're just not going to listen to it. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that Warwick. So when I was a member of Toastmasters, I was a judge in a speech contest. So there was two judges, myself and another gentleman. And at the end of the presentation, we had to give our feedback to the person giving the speech. And just like you said, you would have thought we, we listened to two different speeches. My, my analysis of the presentation had more to do with the actual content of it. Was the presentation easy to follow? Did I, did I gain anything from it? Do I remember the points the person was trying to make? But the other evaluator, their, their analysis was strictly to do with all the various non-verbal parts of public speaking. You didn't use your hands enough. You didn't use the room enough, that type of thing. And you know, it, it, just, it just depends on what you value when it comes to public speaking as well as a presenter. I know I've had a, uh, someone come up to me after a speech and say, oh, I really like the bit where you talked about, I don't know, the caravan or the trailer home. And I'm thinking about my speech and going, no, I never mentioned that at all because people are hearing with their own mindset. And sometimes you will trigger something that they'll could have sworn it's in there. So it, it, people will receive it in, in different ways. Do you do anything to make your presentations consistent or a, a style that is the Neil Thompson style? So people go, Oh yeah, that's Neil. That's classic Neil. I think so. I think the, the one thing that I definitely try to do is use callbacks. They're really popular in stand-up comedy. And I actually took a stand-up comedy course a few years ago. There's a, a franchise here in San Diego. Actually, it's in LA. It's called The Comedy Store. And they have a satellite store or a satellite club in LA. And the owner of the comedy store actually held a, I guess you'd call it a workshop on Saturdays. So I think it was for maybe six, six or seven Saturdays. And I, I did that. And the big thing I took from that workshop was using callbacks. So essentially what they are is near the end of a presentation, you refer to something that you spoke about earlier in the presentation. Com comedians use this a lot. 
Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Kevin Hart, a lot of, a lot of the, the, the names that you know, they will refer to something near the end of the presentation that ties back to something they said earlier. It may very well tie back to the actual title of the, of the special that they're doing. And it's really clever. I really, I really enjoy it. So I basically took that from stand-up comedy and I use it in my presentations as well. And you can see the look on people's faces where they sort of go, oh, he talked about that at the beginning. Like it just, it's a real, it's an amazing light bulb moment, isn't it? Indeed it is. That's why I do it. <laughs> so good. Um, and here in Australia, we got a really cool uh, comedy training school called the School of Knock Knocks. And um, so I'm going to put the link in the show notes for people. If you're interested in Australia, head to the School of Knock Knocks. And there is something of huge value if you want to be a better speaker to do something like a stand-up comedy course. Again, more stage time, but it just helps you with timing and a whole lot of stuff. Do you try and inject a lot of humor into your presentations? Do you find that helps? Oh, absolutely. And it's really tricky when it comes to humor, too, because you know, humor is rather subjective. You know, when one person finds funny, maybe somebody else doesn't. But, I mean, you, 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 can, do, you can do as much. You can do only do so much to try to appease everyone, because if you're trying to appease everybody, you tend to appease nobody. So, so when it comes to the, the, the comedy, you know, use your, 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 your comedic sensibilities and, and see where it goes. I mean, and oftentimes, you know, I'm really big on feedback, too. So if you get feedback from people afterwards saying they really, they really liked your, your sense of humor, then you know you're, you're onto something. Because that must be, uh, America is known for having a bit more of the extremities, like you'll have the very religious and the very unreligious. You'll have, you know, Republicans and the Democrats, and they seem to have less sort of, um, uh, not necessarily tolerance, but they just, they can get upset quite quickly. Do you find there's certain subject matter you just do not go down that path at all? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, religion, I don't really talk about, I, frankly, I don't talk about things that I don't know about. And that's a big thing that when it comes to public speaking that I, I try to preach as well. When I was in high school, we used to have, to, in English class, we used to do debates and there'd be a pro side and a con side and there'd be a resolution. And you were, you know, you're assigned to one of those sides and you had to argue for that side. And I was terrible at debates, especially when I was put on a side that I didn't agree with. It was really difficult for me to even come up, just be convincing in, in, in espousing the, the views of the side that I was on. So I'm really big on talking about things that you actually know about and care about. So when it comes to just even humor and using humor, I won't make fun of things that I don't know too much about anyway. So politics, I stay away from religion. I, I wasn't really raised all that religious. So I stay away from that too. And I think it serves me well. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, um, I just want to just go to the side, pivot a little bit. You've written a kid's book. Ask uncle Neil, why is my hair curly? Um, Tell me a little bit, what's the book about? Why have you written it? What put you down that path? The book is about my nephew asking me why his hair is the way it is, and I use science to answer the question. The motivation for me writing the book is because, at least here in the U.S., uh, black people aren't very well represented in the STEM fields. And I, at all the companies that I worked at, I was always the only black engineer that was there. And I think it had to be that way, and I think a lot of that has to do with just knowledge of, of what's out there. And, and just even having the confidence to go after things, even if perhaps you don't know another black person that's doing it. So I wrote the book, I wrote the book primarily for black children to at least six to eight years old for them to have the confidence to know that there are no careers that are off limits to them. And let's face it, STEM is the future. I'm really big on I'm promoting it for that reason. The 
and really when it, when it comes down to it, I'm really big on telling these kids that this is a, an option that you have. I'm not big on promoting it per se, but I just want them to have know about the options that they have, to know that this is an option for you as well. It's not just for others. So how do you use that book to promote that message? The reason I, I made it about hair is because black hair is actually a pretty, a pretty popular subject. There's a lot of children's books currently about black hair, but it comes more from the perspective of accepting it and, and loving it for what it is. I wrote the book from the perspective of why the hair is the way it is. And, the, and just taking something as simple as, as hair and relating it to something like STEM, I thought was pretty clever. It, it, and it's a, you know, hair is an everyday thing. STEM's all around us and it's, 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 every, and it's an everyday thing too. And I, I, that's what I really wanted to get across in the book. At the end of the, at the book, really what the, like, I guess the whole moral of it is, is you can be the person to figure out why the hair is the way it is. I guess maybe I gave it away, but there, there's various, uh, I guess, uh, theories as to why black hair is the way it is. And the end of it is my nephew actually, me suggesting to my nephew, you could be the person that does research into figuring out the, the, the I guess, the, the definitive answer. And so do you go into schools with the book and, and talk about this sort of stuff in schools? Yeah, so that's, that's a big part of, of trying to, I guess, promote the book is, is going into schools here in the San Diego area where I live and, and you know, doing readings, getting questions about it, you know, also talking about the fact that I worked as an engineer. Perhaps they've never seen somebody that looks like me as an engineer before. So, I mean, I, that's, that, yeah, it, that's, a, that's a big part of the whole promotion of it. Now, kids often will ask the most weirdest and bizarre questions. Have you had any really amazing questions come from the kids or, or questions where you're thinking, where's that come from? Well, I can't really think of a question, although one thing that did happen that definitely surprised me. So at one of the readings that I went to, I did a giveaway of the book. And, uh, and I, luckily I had two available because the person that wanted, they were really happy. But there was another person that really wanted the book and she cried because she lost. And so luckily I had another book, so I gave it to her. I gave her a copy of it too. Fantastic. And so are there, I, I, it looks like the title is open to other books in the series. Are you considering writing other books in, along that same genre? Absolutely. So this was definitely the first of what I plan on making a series. And it will always be my nephew asking me a question and me using science to answer it. And, and is it based on like your real nephew? Yeah. Yeah, my real nephew, yeah. How does he feel about being in a book? You know, he had no, him and, so the people in the book, the characters are myself, my nephew, and my sister, his mother. They had no idea that I wrote the book until I sent them a copy of it. So they're really excited about it. And so has he now got like, this is me in a book and I framed it and all my friends, look, I'm in a book. Absolutely. <laughs> I think the first day that, that he could, going back to school. <laughs> what a great show and tell thing. So what are, what are the, the future kind of topics that you think you might cover in this series? I think the next one's going to be about, uh, maybe the title will be Ask Uncle Neil, Why Is My Skin Dark? Cool. That's, that's great. And I think, that, yeah, that's really cool. What's, what's next for you? So you're still working as a patent agent. You're training people how to teach, uh, how to teach the geek. You're a child, child book author. What's next? What's next in the success path for Neil Thompson? Well, the, the public speaking course, Ask Uncle Neil, is I also plan on adding more courses. 
to the Teach the Geek platform. And then all the courses will tend to be you know, courses based on things that are of issue to people in the STEM fields, things like interviewing, perhaps networking, you know, so, soft, a lot of soft skill stuff actually, because a lot of us, we have all this technical expertise and we think that that's enough, but it isn't, especially if you want to gain visibility, get your pay raises, get those promotions, just basically, you know, improve, improve, I guess, be more successful. Yeah, yeah. So in your in your journey going through all these different evolutions of the things that you do, what do you wish you knew sooner? What are some of the, the stumbling blocks that you had to face that you wish you didn't have to? When I first put the course together, I wasn't really, I didn't have any idea of how I was going to market it. I just put the course together and figured it out, I thought I figured it out as I, as I went along. And that was, and that was tough. That was very difficult. Uh, eventually I hired somebody to kind of help me in, in marketing the book and just be, at least coming up with a strategy and how to market and sell the book. So that basically are the, the course and that's been made all the difference. Okay, cool. Hey, Neil, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. It's been great speaking with you. If people want to find out more about you, patents in the US, books, Teach the Geek, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Well, you can get in touch with me at teachthegeek.com or you can go to askuncleneil.com. Fantastic. Teachthegeek.com or askuncleneil.com. We'll put those links in the show notes for people to get to. Neil, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for having me again. You've been listening to another episode of the Get More Success Show with your host, Warwick Merry. I look forward to your company next time. Thanks for listening to the Get More Success Show with Warwick Merry. Continue the conversation with other successful people over at getmoresuccess.com. That's where you'll find all the show notes as well as a link to our Facebook group that we'd love for you to join. Getmoresuccess.com is also where you'll find all the information you need to connect with me, your host, Warwick Merry. Thanks for listening and until next time, enjoy your success.